0: If you weren't with us last week, we talked about Genesis 1, but we really went on the background of faith and creation. We talked about the science versus the faith, and if you weren't with us, I highly encourage you to get a copy of that message because that's going to answer a lot of the questions that you may be asking tonight if you weren't here. Because as we go through Genesis 1, it's really easy to start getting into this science-slash-faith debate. And I think we covered that, hopefully, probably fully last week. So tonight's going to be more of the verse-by-verse, different days of creation. I will tell you this right now. This is one of the most difficult lessons to teach through. Because everybody has got a different opinion on Genesis 1. Now, what happens is, if we start at the bottom line, as Christians, we believe God created the heavens and the earth. We can accept that. From there, it just starts getting crazy. Because everybody believes something different. I have to be honest with you, I was quite shocked when I was preparing this message. Most of the time when I prepare a message, there's a little bit of background, if you care, and you may not care. As soon as Sunday is done... Starting Monday, I start working on Wednesday's lesson. All that I generally do is just sit down and just read the passages, read the scriptures, pray over it, and I just write down stuff that I find interesting. That's my initial beginning. And then I just kind of build on that. Then I go through it again and just kind of say, okay, what's interesting here? Where's the Lord? And it starts forming this lesson, and this kind of builds up until Wednesday. And then what happens on Wednesday is I come out here Wednesday afternoon, take all that chicken scratch, and I try to make something logical out of it on a paper for you guys. Just for fun today, I started thinking, I wonder what everybody else says. And in my office, if you've ever been in my office, i got these bookcases full of books on theology and just commentaries, and I love them. Normally, don't go to them for teaching. Sometimes, if I'm really stumped by something after praying about it, I'd be like, okay, Lord, what wisdom did you give somebody else on this? I thought, this is going to be interesting. Let's read what everybody says about Genesis 1. I was completely shocked by these different um, men of God that I really look up to. How completely different they take Genesis 1. Completely different. Some of them believe, if you know some of this stuff, they believe in the young earth. So they're talking 6,000 years. Some believe in, I guess, what you would call a middle-age earth. They're talking more like ten, fifteen. Some believe that uh, it's been billions of years because they believe the Hebrew word of day. Some people believe in the gap theory between verses 1 and 2. It just goes on and on and on. And it becomes almost overwhelming. Because what happens is we start focusing on all these things, and you some easily get off track. So the way I'm going to teach through this is we're going to go through the different days that God created and we're going to look through these type of things. And once again, of the science versus the faith, I don't want to downplay that subject because I believe it's very important and I believe there are some amazing Christian scientists out there that have some amazing scientific facts on creation and they're wonderful things. I encourage you to take a look at some of the DVDs we have out here, some of the past teachings we've done to a different Dr. Baker, etc. I encourage you to do that. But also remember what we talked about last week in Hebrews 11. It's by faith we believe that the world was created in six days. That's the key thing is God says "Do you, trust me that I did this and we do. So with that being said, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. What an amazing beginning of everything. Now, it's fascinating to me that the first thing that God does is this idea of light. Now, let's just backtrack a little bit, though. If you remember from last week, verse 1. If you can believe verse 1, you can believe anything. God created the heavens and the earth. We can believe anything. We believe He created this. Now, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's important because you see God the Father active in creation. You see the Holy Spirit active in creation. And not to repeat last week, but you also see Jesus active in creation. In Colossians, it makes it clear that He was a creating force and creating everything. So you see the Trinity there involved in creation. First thing God creates is this idea of light. Now, this is not the sun. The sun is not created until day four. This is a supernatural God light, if you will. And this is something that continues on. Because if you look at the verses we put down here, look at Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 in your sheets. When we get up to heaven, the light that we have in heaven is the light of God. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is its light. Verse 5 of chapter 22, There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. That's a fascinating thing. If you want to get more fascinating, look ahead. Day 3 is when plants are created. Now, we all know from science that plants live off the sun. But yet, these plants were created before the sun was created in day 4. This is a fascinating thing. First thing God creates is light. And He divides this light from the darkness in verse 4. Now, there's a spiritual meaning to this. It represents salvation. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God into the face of Jesus Christ. What basically Paul is writing there in Corinthians is just like at the beginning when God separated the light from the darkness. When you are born again in Christ, it's like a separation right there. The light comes on and you're out of the darkness of sin and you're now in the light of Jesus Christ. So I think it's fascinating that even back in Genesis 1, 2, 3, and 4, there is a picture of salvation already there. Salvation covers the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Too often we get into all these these arguments about the Bible, when really the Bible is a picture of Jesus loving you and dying on the cross for your sins. And you see it right back at the beginning. Day one, light. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, it's a picture of salvation. God said, let there be light, verse 3, and there was light. So now we have the first day. Day 2, verse 6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And so it was so, and God called the firmament heaven, So the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, your translations are all going to be different on this. Some of yours are going to say firmament. Some of yours are going to say expanse. Some of yours are going to say vault. Day two is the sky. It's the heavens. That's what's created. We seem to have this ball of water, almost, if you will, where what happens on day two is God starts separating it now until we have the sky over the water. Now... It's important to note that in the Bible, there's three different heavens. So when you see here that heaven was created, we're not talking about the heaven being the abode of God. In the Bible, there's three heavens. The first heaven is what you see when you look out the window. It's the sky. The second heaven is what you see, the space, the stars. The third heaven is the abode of God. Scriptural backing for this is found in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, where it says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was called up to the third heaven. That's the abode of God. So what you see here in day two is you see the sky being created, the separation, if you will, of the waters, the waters that were on the earth now from the waters in the sky, and you have the sky created in day two. Let's go to day three. Verse nine, and God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields fruit, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning of the third day. So, what you see on day three is you see the dry land appearing, and you see plants, and you see seas now. You see boundaries of this. Once again, plants are being created before the sun in day four. God's light. I gotta be honest, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to when we get to heaven is this light. This, this glory of God that it's illuminating so that through all of eternity, that's the light that we have. I think that's gonna be a pretty neat thing to see. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. So day one. We have this light, day two. We have the sky, if you will. Day three, dry land appears, and we have plants, and we have seas. So that's the first three days. Let's stop here real quick. Any quick questions, comments about day one, day two, day three, before we move on? Amber. Yes, Hebrews 11, I think it's verse three. Hold on one second. Yeah, Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And that was the key point from last week, is that we believe this creation in faith. That is not trying to take away the science of it. Because I know sometimes people come up to me afterwards and saying, Well, listen, there's some great stuff out there where they found evidence of this and that. And I agree. I've seen it. I like it. I love it. But ultimately speaking here in Hebrews 11.3, God says the reason you believe is because you believe. And that's what we have to remember that. And don't forget too what we talked about last week. I believe it was in Second uh, Peter where it says one of the signs of the end is that people willfully forget creation. And you see that happening right now. People are willfully forgetting that God created the heavens and the earth. And we got into that last week a lot more too if we weren't there. Brian. Mm-hmm. I'd like to let you mention that, that they, because if you jump ahead to chapter 2, um, it talks about that a little bit there in verse 5. A lot of people don't know this, but it says in verse 5 of chapter 2, it says, For the Lord God not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And we're not going to be able to get into that tonight, but Ryan's making a good point there. There was this pre-flood pre-also, dare we say, pre-fallen, pre-cursed world that was lived in that was different than what we have right now. And that's going to be a fascinating study here as we get through Genesis, where you see the effects that the curse had in Genesis 3, not only on man, but on creation. It says in Romans 8, I believe, that all creation is cursed. All creation is cursed. And it's fascinating to think about what was the earth like before the fall happened. I think I mentioned to you last week or a couple weeks ago, I went outside and I stepped on a bumblebee, or I stepped on a bee and got stung. Okay, that bee is cursed. I'm cursed for stepping on it. That's the cursed fallen world. I I firmly believe that back in the Garden of Eden, I did not believe Adam and Eve were swatting mosquitoes. I don't. This is the result of a cursed fallen world. And so it's going to be fascinating as we get into Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, and even once the flood happens, where you see how physically the world has changed because of sin. I tell you, sin is all-encompassing. It affects absolutely everything we do. And please don't raise your hand, but if we'd raise our hand to say, Who here feels good tonight? If you don't feel good, sin. Who's here tired? Sin. You know, sin It's just, sin is everywhere. It affects everything. Any other quick questions, comments on days one through three? Rose. You talked about how long it this take, and I'm mm-hmm. always taking God in his words where he says, and the evening in the morning for the first day, and the evening in the morning for the second day. I believe that he was able to do that in a day. Yeah. He didn't say in a thousand years, went by. Right. And and that's the interesting thing about this. Some people believe that that Hebrew word for day is more of a generic word. I just read someplace where I think they said the English language has like four million words and the Hebrew language only has so many thousands or something like that. This word for day in the Hebrew, and I'm not going to pronounce it because I would mess it up, it's more of a generic term of a time period. But one thing in the Hebrew with it is any time it's ever referred to with a number like the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. In the Bible, it always refers to a 24-hour period. Always does. So anytime you see second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, in the context of it, it's always referring to a 24-hour period there when it comes to that. But there is some interesting stuff, and some people believe that that word day does mean thousands of years or this infinite amount of time. It seems to be backed up more that once again in the 24-hour period that that seems to be the context of what it's saying there. And that's what we're le- looking at, and that's what we're teaching and believing is a literal six-day creation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plants. Yeah, that seems to be. If you go to Genesis one, if you go to uh, verse twenty-nine. It says, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be for food. Verse 30, Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And if you jump ahead then to Genesis 9, um, right here, Genesis 9, let's go ahead and start in verse 2. This is after the flood. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and every bird of the air and on all the move on the earth and all the fish on the sea. They are given into your hand. Look at verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. So it seems to be that at this time of creation, everything was, if you dare say, a vegetarian, if you want to go from that perspective there. And it wasn't until after the flood that things started to change. Anybody else got anything here before we move on? first three days. righty, Day four. Lost um, where I was at here. Day four. Here we go. God said, verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, the moon. He made the stars also. He set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So what you have on day four is you have the stars, the sun, and the moon then. And those were given on day four. Day five, verse 20. God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the face of the firmament of the heavens. And so God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth, so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So day four, stars, sun, and moon. Day five is fish and birds. I just have to share this with you. One of the things that the boys and I do when we're outside, we'll See an item of creation, be it a tree, be it an animal, be it a bird, whatever, and I'll do a quick quiz. Boys, what day was that animal created? So now it leads to all these questions. Turtles, the boys want to know, what day was a turtle created on? And they have these debates because they say, well, turtles creep on the ground, so it's a day six. Well, ah, but turtles go in the water, so it was a day five. So these are the type of debates that go on. You can talk about mammals versus birds. What about a bat? Is a bat created on day five or is a bat created on day six? It is interesting to note that in the Hebrew there, it's not really birds in verse 20. It really is flying creatures is the actual word. So if you want to get into a meaningless, pointless debate with yourself, figure out what day some of these animals are created on. Because the word is not really birds. Some of your translations, I believe, says fowl, but it's literally in the Hebrew, flying creatures. So it's kind of an interesting thing to kind of think about on which day these things were created. So that's day five. Excuse me. That's day four. That's day five. Anybody have any quick questions, comments about stars, sun, and moon, and fish and birds there? Yeah, Ryan. Uh, a few years back we the end of Dr. Lee's paper here, we pointed out that in verse 21, the word for white, the flight translation, is actually tenni, even the word for dragon. Yeah. And that was a great, I think that was, uh, Dr. Baker's come twice, and I believe that was the first time he came, if I remember correctly. And he did a fascinating study on this word dragons, and brought it in with the dinosaurs, etc. And I believe, I believe we have a copy of that, of when he came. I know we have it on audio, and we may even have it on video. If you're interested in that, check out the church library in the... um, kitchen there, and if you can't find it, check with uh, Nancy. We may have a copy of that if you want to get that. Dr. Mace Baker is a great guy. We're I'm blessed to have him out and bring such a wisdom and knowledge on some of the stuff that comes out here. Anybody else? Rose. Well, we have a repeating over and over there in verses 21, 22, 25, that all these animals drop uh, for after their own time after their own kind. So, I mean, one plant, you know, the, the fish didn't become a frog. Right. And that is something that's important to note, is that God has created this system where the plants... It's a fascinating thing. The plants produce seeds, which produce more plants. The animals produce more animals. And like Rose is saying there, it's after their own kind. This is not an um, accident. This is not some type of freakness of two things becoming something else. This is the way God has designed the system to work. And what you see here in creation, it's a very orderly creation. I always think back in Corinthians where the Bible says that God is not a God of confusion. And he's not. So when you see God creating this, there's a very orderly done to it, and it's done specifically, so that way we truly believe that there has not been this process of uh, evolution forming other things, that this is something where God created these individuals, and God created these species uniquely. And what an amazing concept that is. Anybody else have anything here before we go on? So we've covered uh, stars, sun, and moon, and fish and birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you're saying then how there would be more fruit that came out of that I guess when I look at more of dying, I think we're looking more at the curse on, on animals and humans per se. Because if they're coming to eat the plants, I don't think the plants are screaming, don't eat me, as it was happening. And I'm not saying that in a mock, that the, the plants were designed with the purpose to give food. So I think that was in God's design creation that these plants were to give food in that sense. And so I don't look at it as part of the curse as that apple giving up its seeds to produce more apples. That's God's design to produce food. When I look at the curse and death happening, I look at that as more being on the animals and creation in terms of that sense. I would I would assume so. I would that's I mean that's the way I take it when it talks about what's that? Would the old trees ever die? Um, Well, I mean, I guess if somebody ate them. um, But I would say the trees would probably just keep growing. That's part of the beauty of creation there. I will say this real quick. I remember Pastor Rich one time teaching on Genesis. And, you know, we get through the first six days, which leads to a lot of questions like you're saying there. And I thought the same thing. What about this? What about that? And so basically the subject came up of, okay, once creation was done and day six happened... So man's there, God gives us their marching orders in Genesis chapter 2, saying don't eat of the tree of knowledge uh, and stay away from the tree of life. So the question comes up of well, how long do they live in the Garden of Eden before they went and sinned? So some of these things, well, what would have happened if time gone on? Pastor Rich said he studied out and he figures it's about 15 minutes. That's how long it took Adam and Eve. That 15 minutes later after creation, they went over and looked at that tree. And that's probably about true. Human nature. Adam and Eve probably lasted about 15 minutes in the Garden of Eden. So I'm not trying to answer your question with a joke, but I guess what I'm saying is this, is would those trees have have grown and prospered? I bet they would have grown and prospered to be the most amazing trees you've ever seen in your life. Because I think that's what the Garden of Eden was. And I think it's difficult for us, because the only world we know is a cursed world. That's the only world we know. And when you start reading these passages in Isaiah about the child playing at the hole of the cobra... You know, right now if you see a snake, you run. This this idea of being able to go to the the hole of the cobra and not be concerned, about the child laying down with the lion, it's hard for us to imagine trees not being affected by the curse. It's hard for us to imagine animals not being affected by the curse, because the only world we've known is a cursed world. And that's what makes Genesis one so amazing, is because there is we're trying to take our cursed mindset and place it in the world. Adam would get up. From sleeping, I assume, on the ground, and his back did not hurt. You go sleep on the ground tonight and see how your back feels in the morning. That's this cursed world that we can't get away from. It's an amazing thing. And we also have any other questions about stars, sun, moon, or fish and birds. Okay, let's get to the big day, day six. God said that the earth, verse 24... Bring forth a living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to and be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree which fruit yields seed to you should be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from his work which God had created and made. Day six. Day six would be land, animals, and man. Now, it's important to note here, and i are running out of time, so I don't want to um, go over this too quickly here. It's important to note that land, animals, and man were made on the same day. But please do note this. It's very important to note that God has made an order here. And that order is, in verses 26 right there, is that the man has dominion over the animals. Even though we were created on the same day, there is a hierarchy here. There's a pecking order here. Man is over animals. Man were created in the image of God. Please know I put on your sheet there. There's never any way to assume that this is a physical representation of God. I think I'm good looking, but I hope he doesn't look like me. We are made in the image of God. If you look up that original word in the Hebrew, it literally means in the essence of God. We have a mind. We have a brain. We think through right and wrong. We, we have emotions and feelings, etc. We were made in that image of God, that essence of God. We are not just a created We're not just a created animal. We're distinct, we're separate, we're different. So in the image of God we have been made, and with that image of God we have the capabilities, and please don't take this statement the wrong way. We have the capabilities of God in that sense of to think and to reason, to plan, to act, to choose good, to choose bad. Obviously we know in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, man chose to choose bad. But please note the importance there If we talk about that of being in the image of God. And then we'll get into next week a little bit more about the resting. It is important to understand this day of rest, the Sabbath rest that God did. As has been said many times before, God did not take a break on day 7 because he was tired. Jesus said the Sabbath was not made for God but for man. He told us to take a break. And we'll get to that more next week a little bit. But any quick questions, comments here on day 6, image of God? Ryan... Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you really study out that word, it's not really saying, "Listen, we're empty again. Can you refill it?" That's not the point that's coming out with it. And that's the thing about the gap theory. Um, I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of godly men that I look up to and respect, and they and they firmly believe in the gap theory. I just don't see it. Um, I'm not saying that I'm smarter than by them in any way whatsoever. But when I just don't see this idea of there being this gap between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 where they believe that that's where the fall of Satan happened, they believe that there was this creation that became cursed and basically God started over again. I just don't see that. Um, I think it's important to note that God says that he saw everything that he had made, verse 31, and he thought it was very good. I think that's an important time there to note that Jesus, or I should say God, thought it was good. That, that hadn't happened yet. That fall hadn't happened yet. And I don't believe that that happened. I'm not a proponent of the gap theory, but at the same time, I know people that believe it. Um, but yes, I agree with you. If you look at replenish there, really, if you look it up, it's not really saying refill it. It's really saying fill it. It's kind of a bad translation there a little bit, if you will. Anybody else have any questions here about day six, about man, image of God being made, etc.? A lot of information. And it was one of those where you have to stop with these messages. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you really want to study out Genesis 1, I encourage you to go home and reread it again. It's such an amazing chapter. There's so much in it. And as I was taking notes on this, I got the sheet done, and then it's like, well, now i got a sticky note. And next thing I know, I could have had two sticky notes. It just keeps coming. There's so much stuff there. To really study this out, it's an amazing chapter. We don't want to downplay it, but at the same time, I believe it's important to get the full context of it. That's why I thought it was important to do days 1 through 6 tonight as a whole. Anybody have any final questions, comments here about anything with creation, days 1 through 6? Next week, we'll get into Genesis 2. We'll get into a little more specifics about the creation of man and also woman. And I think that's a very important study. And also, we'll get into the seventh day idea of rest. Genesis 3 is the fall of man. And I highly encourage you that if you can make it out for that, we get to really see what it means when sin enters the world. So without much further ado, let's pray and we'll move on here. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the time to be here. We pray that you just bless everybody with safety as they travel home. Thank you for the time. Lord, help us just do exactly what your word says, to not forget creation. your wonderful, wonderful witness and testimony of who you are. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week and God bless.